Chevy Equinox with forward collision alert, automatic emergency braking, and available all-wheel drive. It's my ultimate mobile device. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to schedule a test drive. Chevy Equinox. It's your choice. Own it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Paul Listnick Behind the Curtain, my opportunity to step away from the worlds of politics and law that you see me cover on television. And we go into a passionate world of theater and the arts here on Behind the Curtain. Of course, arguably, um, this show that we're going to talk about isn't all that far from the world of politics and, uh, and maybe some law and maybe a little American history, because that's what it's all about. We're going to talk about the incredible, amazing, one of my top favorite shows of all time, Hamilton. And and I, I get to talk to a guy. I know you all think, oh, you're going to talk to Alexander Hamilton. Now, you know what? We can do that. I asked, I wanted the actor who plays Thomas Jefferson, also plays Marquis de Lafayette. We'll explain that to you. But I want you to say hi to Jared Howelton because, Jared, you are amazing in this show. Oh, thank you, Paul, for having me, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Do you, do you ever slip, you know, Pierre, who plays uh, Alexander Hamilton, do you ever slip him a 20 and, and see if you can get him to go on and say, my name is Alexander Howelton? <laughs> You know what? I'll do that tonight. I'll do that tonight for the show. I'll be like, you know what? Why don't, why don't you slip my name in there? <laughs> Think about that. That could be, the audience won't catch it. They're going to kind of go, did he, what did he say? How old did they, they'll just think it's them. Yeah, it'll go over their head. They, they won't know. <laughs> and Pierre gets 20 bucks and you're a bigger star as a result. Come on. He'll have a nice cocktail at the end of the show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, you know, Jared, I, I always assume everybody knows Hamilton. I mean, I, I've seen it, I don't know how many times. And in fact, I actually, I'll show you this. I actually own it. This will kind of, my little green screen here is, this was Lin-Manuel Miranda's original boot from oh, the wow. show. Okay. For me as well. He told me, do you have zippers in your boots now? We do have zippers. Yeah, you didn't when the show first opened on Broadway. And uh, when I showed that to Lynn, he says, oh, my God, I hated those boots. We couldn't get them on. We added zippers to them. Yeah. But, uh, come on and visit me. I've got part of the original Broadway floor that Lynn signed for me. I got so much Hamilton stuff in, in, in Florida. It's really one of my favorite shows, uh, as I said. But for those who just haven't seen the show, let me invite you to tell them a little bit about the story of Hamilton, what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. Story of Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton, uh, one of the lesser kind of known founding fathers, if you didn't know, you know, obviously outside of... Just look at your you $10 know, bills. Yeah, <laughs> except when you look at your $10 bills. But uh, it's it's the story of America told then by uh, the story of, you know, about people, uh, what America looks like today, told by the story of people that look like what America looks like today. And I think that's what's really cool. You know, the whole story is about an immigrant that comes to America and really shocks the world and shocks the country and creates his own financial system uh, that he puts into existence into and that we still use to this day. Um, and uh, in a way, a lot of people can recognize and see themselves on the stage. And that's really what's important is the representation that the show brings. It's, it's uh, a show that has jazz musical theater, uh, you know, hip-hop, R&B, as well as the dancing uh, uh, style of, uh, of it, really telling the story and the biography of Alexander Hamilton told through people that are African-American, Hispanic, come from different backgrounds, Jewish, uh, the Jewish community, all, BIPOC community, LGBTQIA community. So it's a really cool story told by so many different people that can be represented and can be recognized on stage that really didn't get an opportunity in the past in the Broadway community. So it's, it's a and really that, dope show. And by the way, I interviewed Gail Papp, who is the widow of Joe Papp, 
And you probably yeah. know that's where Hamilton began at the public theater, which Joe Papp started. So we got to talk a little bit about this and the headway it made. I'm sort of curious. I mean, I, I don't know. I have interviewed Lynn as well, but the whole notion, and as far as I know, this is groundbreaking in terms of, of casting a variety of people, African-American, whatever it is. It almost doesn't matter to what the role is. It's, it's as though Lynn and, and his, his folks were just casting the right person for the role. What message do you think when, when an audience comes in? Like if you go see Hamilton now, uh, at, at the Nederlander Theater, you're going to see George Washington. Yes, our father of our country, George Washington, who I've seen originally played on Broadway by an African American. Now it's being played by Asian American. I mean, it's just, it's also intermixed, but I love the message of it. What do you think the message of it is to an audience? I think the message is just, you know, that theater it should be for everyone and that, you know, for the first time, you're going to see a lot of people, you know, it, it, I've been doing theater for about you know, like 10 years professionally. And with Hamilton, I'm seeing a lot of other people that are coming to the theater that normally haven't come to the theater. And, you know, when I finish the show and I come out of the stage, there's just so many different people that, that come from all walks of life that are like, this is my first opportunity to be in the theater. And I've never known what musical theater or being inside of a theater felt like, but this show changed my life. And just seeing so many different people represented on stage was so powerful. And um, like you said, like, it doesn't really matter who, you know, who's in the role, it's who's right for the role. And you're absolutely right. We've gone from Chris Jackson to now Marcus Choi, who is playing George Washington with us here on the, on the stage right now. And it's just it's just as powerful and, and it's so meaningful. And so it touches a lot of people that come from different walks of life. And I think that's what's really special. By the way, you've also played one of my favorite roles outside of Hamilton. I'm going to give you a little hint, see if you can figure out which one I'm talking about. All right. <laughs> Shrek, huh? Donkey, yeah. You were Donkey. Yes. <laughs> and do you know who's playing down the street from you? Who's playing right now? Alan Mingo Jr. He was Donkey on the national tour. You donkeys ought to get together. Oh, we got to have a Donkey meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's doing the whiz down the street, but... But yeah, get to and I one of my early shows that I did for for uh, a Broadway backstage show was the cast Eric, uh, Eric uh, and and uh, just all the folks who were on tour for Don. I just love that show. Let's not talk about Shrek though. We'll do that some other time. We'll do Shrek. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway, so in this show, so you play Thomas Jefferson. I, I will go out a limb on a limb and say I think that Jefferson and Marquis de Lafayette. It's both, but let's put them together for a moment because yeah, I think you have one of the toughest roles in the show if only from the number of words you have to say per second <laughs> yes lots of words to keep in that little brain of mine yes <laughs> very you, difficult now when you audition i mean because you you have i think you i think you're standby for hamilton right i mean other roles in the show yes so i started off so uh, my journey was i started off with the first chicago company when it was here uh back in you know 2016 to 2020 and I started off as a swing covering the principals. And then I joined the Los Angeles company uh, in that same position. And then after the, uh, the pandemic and we all came back, I started to do small contracts as uh, leave of absences for people. So I've covered multiple roles of Lawrence Phillips, uh, Lafayette Jefferson included, Madison Mulligan, King George III, the Man 5 track, and Man 6. But uh, for this company, I am the role of uh, the Marquis de Lafayette yeah. and Thomas Jefferson um, this time around. So, uh, so, by the way, that you worked with Miguel, you worked with Jose Ramos? Yes, I did. Yeah, I Love worked them. with Miguel in New York. I, I worked with Miguel in Chicago first, and then I did it, Miguel, with um, him on Broadway. Um, and yeah, Jose, all of the all of the good old 
uh, OGs from Chicago. Yeah, I think Jose, you got to call him Maxi Ramos now. It's it's kind of yes, I believe so. Let's yes. go with that. So, so what, with, with your role, first of all, some people are like, how does he play the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson? And the, the same is true of Jose Ramos when he was in the show. Uh, yes. and how he was played. There are several characters who get to play two roles, even Peggy Schuyler, right? How does that happen? How are you able to do that? Yes. So, um, my character, I played the Marquis de Lafayette in Act One, and then we switched to Thomas Jefferson in Act Two. And yeah, it's, it's, I mean, two different shows <laughs> for me, uh, for sure. Um, but in a way, they're both connected because, you know, you know, the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson did actually in real life work together when Thomas Jefferson was overseas in France, helping Lafayette draft the declaration for the French Revolution. Um, so there is some kind of connection there character wise. But again, two different acts. And honestly, I just give in to. Uh, and two different like vibes too. The the first act is always it's very fast and very pulsy and everything, and then that second act's a little bit more uh, breathing room and everything like that because of the politics of it all. But yeah, it's it's very it's very difficult. Two different shows, but it's very cool to just like switch off for that and have that moment in in intermission to take a deep breath, take a you know have a cup of water. Uh, you know, do a couple of lip trills and get ready for uh, another character and and everything like that. But is so there fun. a do you do you have to in all the actors who are playing a couple of different roles? Is there a mental shift for you? I mean, I know you're changing costumes and stuff, but there also has to be a moment. I'm, all right, I'm not Marquis, I'm Thomas Jefferson. I mean, they were very different people in real life, and you're an actor. Absolutely, absolutely, a, a change in, in physique, in the body, a change in the voice, um, and, and yeah, definitely mentally, it is quick for sure, but. I definitely have that moment of like before act two starts and we do what did I miss? It's that click in the dark of just like taking that moment, taking a deep breath and just like, you know, embracing this new uh, act of telling the story of, of, of the new opponent that Hamilton has to face in act two. Do you find, cause you've been in the show so long in the early days of seeing the show, there were lines in the show, like immigrant immigrants, we got the job done, those kind of things, which would bring the house down. <laughs> um, you know, now I think so many people, they, they just come back and back and back. We know the lines. We know the, in fact, Lynn once said to me, if he ever dropped a line, the audience said it for him. They just, they, yeah, they knew his, yeah, they knew his <laughs> lines. Maybe I don't think you drop lines, but I'll bet you that would happen if you did. Um, but, but out of curiosity, do you, is there a consistency still in the reactions that you're getting? Was it, was there larger reactions four years ago or, and people know it more now? What, what, what kind of audience differences are you seeing? Well, honestly, Paul, I think that so many people have seen Hamilton and that they're coming into the theater for the fourth and fifth time that it's not about like that. It's less about them cheering up about those moments anymore. But I think it's like them finally delving into so much more that's deeper than like the cheers and stuff like that. I think they're seeing some things that they've never seen before that they haven't seen um, like moments in the dark that, that a lot of the actors are in and, and seeing those points of view and stuff like that. And then when we go out into the stage where it's like, you know, I've seen Hamilton, you know, four times, but I've never seen this moment or I've never seen this actor do it this way, or I've never seen somebody sing it this way. So yeah, there might be a little bit more, you know, not as, I wouldn't say not as excitement with immigrants to get the job done, but I think there's a lot more focus in areas that, 
for the people that have seen it the third and fourth time, they're like, oh, I haven't seen it that way. Or I haven't thought of it that way. Um, of course, the issues, I mean, again, the migrant issues here in Chicago, I mean, there there are moments in time where things are sort of really front burner. Uh, yes. like that is right now anyway. And and um, I had, there's also been some changes. And I, I, this is I'm so glad I get to talk to you because you'll know the answer, I think, yeah. which is having seen the show a billion times. There have been some changes over the course of time. And there's one that, that struck me. And it's funny because I, I talked to Chris Jones, the Tribune critic. Uh, we were at a party and I mentioned this to him and he kind of went, oh, yeah, that's right. He had it kind of hidden hit him that this was a change. And I'm curious as to he gave me an answer. I want to get your answer. Um, when George Washington departs, I'm not ruining anything. If you haven't seen Hamilton by now, shame on you. But uh, <laughs> when, when Hamilton departs up until this version of the show, he ascends the staircase. Right. Is there any kind of an exit? At this time, he's not. He stays stage level and does the exit. I'm sort of curious. Jones gave me an answer, and I'll share it with you. But are you familiar with why some of those, and apparently other changes, were made as well? Any? Do you know the reasoning behind that? Yeah, um, not so much that change with George Washington, just because I don't cover that role or any and everything. Mm-hmm. And I know that they have a lot of meetings with that. But I know that. But like you said, a lot of changes. A big change was the "What did I miss?" number. Um, and I think honestly, any of those, tell us what that can you tell us what the change was? Yeah, so Corey, yeah, it's a it's completely changed, uh, you know, choreography wise. Okay. So you know, if you watch the Disney Plus version, you'll see what the original staging was for that number. But uh, moving forward with all of the companies, you know, the Philip Company and Broadway, it's completely re-choreographed. and a lot of that just stems from uh, the COVID era and 2020 and the George Floyd killing and just kind of rethinking some of these numbers and what story, you know, what what point of view that they're trying to get across to the audience. It's like, what what do we want the audience to pick up from this number that we might have wanted them to do before the pandemic? You know, like, they're, they're, we're just thinking differently now after that. And just they just wanted to come back. And we had a lot of conversations over 2020 with the different companies. And we sat in with all the creatives. And Lynn was a part of it as well, of just like their reasoning behind it and their new vision of it because you know it's just it's so cool to see hamilton hamilton was created kind of during the obama era if you if you think about it and now through the trump years and now we're here in the biden years and so the show is still living and breathing and what i love about hamilton is that the creatives are so passionate still and they're still involved in the show and they still want the show to continue to breathe and their ideas still pop i I know that andy blanketbiller will come by and give notes and then he has another idea and he'll incorporate it into the show so I think a lot of these changes were just moments of when we were shut down and we had a lot of time to think and uh, and recalibrate and just come back to the show and just see what we can offer that is a new perspective that needed to be brought in. So, um, yeah, I'll give you the Chris Jones answer and yeah, it's right or wrong, because if not, I'll tell Chris to watch this and he'll see he'll catch the answer. Chris thought that the reason he said because the swings are now um, national swings, meaning that a swing can be sent to any company in any city, mm-hmm. that they had to standardize everything. And so while that doesn't explain why a George Washington change happened or, or maybe a Thomas Jefferson change happened, but the point is if somebody has to step into the role as a swing and they're coming out of L.A. or wherever to do it, there's no time to say, here's what's different about this, about this production. And so it was a way of standardizing everything. It sounded like a good explanation to me. Oh, absolutely. I, that, that makes perfect sense too, just because like, you know, we've had over six different companies in America alone for a minute. And then of course, now that we're expanding overseas, that makes perfect sense. Cause you know, over time, since the beginning, since Hamilton started and all these companies started popping up, 
there would be a lot of minor differences. And yes, we had universal swings that would have to pop from L.A. to New York to some of the tours in America, to the West End, to Australia, to Germany. And so, yes, there definitely needed to be some kind of consistency for the swings and understudies. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't have a swing George Washington walking up the stairs and go, get down. There's some- <laughs> what you doing up there? You're <laughs> supposed to be up there, George. Get down here. Yeah. Um, those changes are made. Um, as you said, it might be it might be Alex that makes them, you know, or, or Tommy or, or, or maybe Lynn. Do, is it a group thing or can anybody step or Andy, can can anybody, can Andy come in and go, I'm changing the choreography because Andy Bugamiller, I might be saying his name wrong, but he did the choreography. Can he come in and change? He's like, I've talked to Lynn. I've talked to everybody's talking. Yeah, I, I think, I believe that there is some sort of like meeting between the creatives of like the vision of like, this is what needs to be done. I know that, you know, with the choreography, I know when Andy works with the dancers and stuff like that, It'll definitely be a like in the moment of like the movement of where the arms need to be placed or how, you know, the intention of the movement needs to be. Sure, that could be in the moment of things, minor changes like that, but major changes where you were talking about a George Washington thing like that or the choreography change and what did I miss? I think that that is a lot more, uh, more of the creative. But if it's minor cleanups that we need to do, like, you know, Lack- Alex Lackamore will come in for a music cleanup. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, Tommy will come in and kind of give like a little, you know, a couple of blocking things and acting things in the scenes, stuff like that. That'll kind of be on their, in the, within their department. But major changes that you brought up, absolutely. They all talk to each other and make sure that they're on one accord with that. Yeah. And by the way, when, uh, when I would, I sometimes will anchor parts of the, our midday news and we had the actor, I'm drawing a blank, who uh, she played the bullet and she's now uh, engaged to Jared, who plays MJ on Broadway. Uh, is that ringing a bell for you, that little story in there? Oh, wow. No, I didn't hear uh, someone. The actor playing MJ is marrying the bullet from Hamilton. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you never swing. You never get to play the bullet, do you? No, no, I, that, that is not a track I get to play. No, unfortunately, <laughs> as amazing as it is. But no. uh, ex- exactly. So when you take again, this is historically based, but anybody who's read the Rod Chernow novel or knows history, I've taken, you know, I've, I have a lot of background in history. There are, Lynn took some liberties here, uh, yes. with, with the history and we get that it's part of the fun. Um, but what kind of homework, if any, did did the principals or did the sorry, did the creatives expect of you guys? Like, did you go study Thomas Jefferson or did that not really matter anyway? Uh, this, it depends on the actor there. You know, there's there's so many roads to getting to that level of performance. So I, I would say whatever the the actor, however they like to pre- prepare, how I will tell you at least how I prepare. Yeah, well, absolutely. You, you, Absolutely. I looked up these, these people, you know, they're real people. So, and their information is so it's everywhere. So I definitely delved into all of these people, Marquis de Lafayette and his background um, and where he came from and what, like what brought him to America and why he was fighting this war that has nothing to do with him. <laughs> um, and then of course, Thomas Jefferson delving into him, the good, the bad and the horrific ugliness of Thomas Jefferson. Um, and then coming into Lynn's uh, world of Hamilton and then marrying those both, you know. So absolutely looking up where they are and who they are and and then 
putting into what the world of the show is, you know, and what Tommy and Andy and Lack and Lynn created as well. So yeah, you a know, lot, lots of homework. <laughs> when you think about the folks like your character and 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 George Washington now being played by African Americans, when in the real history those those folks were slave owners. Yeah, uh, I mean, again, I I don't know that Lynn. I don't know that, that Lynn sat down and said, yes, that's exactly the point I'm trying to make. But the point is, it doesn't matter because the message is there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, 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 that's, I mean, kind of like the hard truth that you have to do in your research is just like staring at this truth and then also playing that truth on stage, you know, not, not shying away from the truth um, of what that is, as mm-hmm. well as that's the beauty of this show. It's beauty. And it's also horrific at the same time of just like knowing the greatness of what this man did while also knowing the ugly truth of what was happening during this time period as well. Um, and I think it's, and it's just so powerful. I, I know you've seen the show, but once you see at, at, in the opening number, when you see everybody line up together at the top of the show and you just see all these faces that are about to tell you this story and it's just so powerful. Like when I first saw the show on Broadway uh, and just seeing all those faces up there, you know, Chris Jackson, David, Leslie Odom Jr., Ariana DeBose. Look what they, look how they've all made it. Yeah. Like you just see all of these people of color and people that come from different backgrounds. And it's so overwhelming to see them tell this story. And it, it's just, it, it's beautiful. So like, yeah, the research and, and, and just researching it, telling the story, telling the truth while also you know, appreciating the beauty of the work that Lynn did. So it's it's all in there. <laughs> and, and, you know, when you think of the path and, and it's, and you know, this is the home of the Obamas and, and that's so the Obamas made it clear when, when Lynn first performed a couple of the numbers at the White House yes. and the Obamas are like, you're writing a musical about who, about what, what? And yeah. they actually just yeah. got a kick out of it. They're kind of like, oh, sure, go ahead, do a number. And of course, as you know, it blew them away. And then when I think of that final uh, performance of Lynn, where I was in the audience, and I have Secretary John Kerry sitting behind me, and Rosie O'Donnell's Lynn's family was sitting right in front of me. I mean, it was just an amazing uh, uh, show, and his, his final show. And I have to tell you, every time when he walked on from his first to the end, he is one humble guy. The audience, as you might guess, eighteen thousand standing ovations every time he said a word, right. and you could see him look at the conductor and just go, go, go. He didn't want it. And at the end of the show, when it was time for his moment and his bow, they had to literally, Chris Jackson had to grab him out and make him take his bow. He's, it's just, it's just not about him in his head. No, it, it's not about him. It's about the story. And that's why I have so much respect for Lynn and as well as the rest of the creative team of like, it's making it about the storytelling. And that's why we have all these, that's why we, that's why we get notes all the time, you know, and we, we have these rehearsals to make sure that we are coming from a place of authenticity and that you're seeing real people on the stage and nothing that is um, fake or, or, or something that is, you know, masked or anything like that. And plus a lot of politicians could take a lesson from Hamilton. If you're going to have an affair, just that's up to it, <laughs> write a brochure and make it public. Right. Exactly. And let your wife read it. <laughs> uh, and by the way, I got to tell you, I don't care. I could see this show. No, forget seeing it. I could have, I can't say the name because it'll start playing. You know what I'm talking about, that device. There's one behind me. But oh. I can tell that device to play Quiet Uptown, and I break into tears every time I hear that song. Uh, I mean, imagine standing in the middle of the number trying to trying to do your job. Not so, and, to... and imagine being Miguel Cervantes in the period of time. I don't know. You probably were with him. I was there. When they yeah. lost, when they lost their, their child. I How was there. How do you do that? Yeah. 
we were, uh, I was, a uh, yeah, I mean, Miguel is a brother to me. Um, and, uh, we, we all sang at, uh, his daughter's celebration. And then, you know, of course he was taking as much time as he needed before he came back. But after it was on a Sunday and we all had to go back and do the second show, or we had to do a matinee that day after singing there. And that was, um, that was a tough quiet uptown is what I'll say as a company, yeah. uh, leaving that. So it's, it's a hard song to do, but it's, it's needed because, you know, that it just, it's, it, you see the growth of at that moment, you see the growth of Eliza and that the baton gets passed to Eliza for the rest of the show of what she does with her time and, you know, taking over. Oh, and, as, and the, the love for that. I mean, I, I'm not wearing it right now. I got pairs of Hamilton socks and, you know, I mean, just, you know, the listen, I don't know any other Broadway show that opened a store just for their stuff right. The store, right? because everybody can't get enough of it. I even bought one of those blankets that is made by one of the original Virginia wheels. I just can't get enough of it. All, when my, when I made my Broadway debut, my mother was all up in that store buying everything. <laughs> Then she went broke. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Yeah. When when you have people talk to you, I think you're back to being able to talk to people after the show, right? They can, I, I, you know, I know New York, there's not doing a lot of uh, stage door stuff uh, anymore, but, but you do get to see people. I'm sort of curious. A lot of times young people, you know, they can go up to an actor because they just think here's this actor and they're really, they want to be an actor and all that. I think Hamilton is different about that because do, do you find that when you have, especially young people that want to talk to you afterwards, is it about Jared, the actor, but is it also about the history and the show and the power of the show itself almost beyond the acting? That part. Yeah, I think it's the the powerful, you know, message and the story that it has. And yeah, we're attached to that. And we're like kind of a symbol for them because they can maybe they see us in them, you know, as like, oh, I can grasp onto Jared Howlton because I liked how he played the role and the show is just so great. Or I latch on to Deontay because his Burr is so amazing or or to Pierre because of his Hamilton. Um, but yes, absolutely. The message and the powerful beauty and ugliness of this show and how and the brilliance of it all is is overwhelming and to the and and that we're attached to it that like when when they come out when we come out it's kind of um an out of body experience i mm. feel like for them because it's like you go from the theater and and like after the show ends and the final note has been played or they're just probably like i mean like i was when i first saw it i'm just like what do i do now <laughs> when you first then, saw it did you did, is that what led you to say i want to audition for this show what was that connection from when you first saw it Oh, yes. I mean, like, during the show, I was about to call my agent and been like, "Uh, Lisa, (laughs) get me in tomorrow morning. Uh, You know, um, absolutely. I mean, from the the first number, I was like, what is this show? And I need to be seen for it immediately. Um, And so, yeah. And then, you know, of course, being, you know, and I'm not that type to be so starstruck, but after the show, when I saw it and seeing them come out of the stage door, it was like an out-of-body experience. And I was like... You were, you were a stage door guy? No, that's the crazy oh. thing. Is No, I'm not. But Hamilton, after seeing it at the Rogers that time, it made me a stage door guy. I was like, I got to see these people. I got to see if they're real. Because it just was so not real to me when I saw it. And so to, to, to see the people at the stage door, that's why I always try and sign when I can and take pictures when I can and always try to give these kids 
some encouragement um, because I've been. Give me there. some props. That's what I need. I need more props. The show. <laughs> try. I try. I'll, I'll try and snag you a pamphlet, Paul. I tried to get a lot. Oh, I got one. I've already. Oh, got you got a pamphlet? pamphlet? Oh, please, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I tried to get. I tried to get Eliza to give me one of them buckets uh, at the yes. end. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you, you know, I once asked an actor this question, and they were they, it, they were playing one of those you know really powerful, meaningful roles. And when I talked about what it's like to play that, and I was the answer kind of surprised me. It was sort of like a, I'm an actor; I play a role. That's all it means to me. But I'm thinking here you are, first of all, playing the beloved donkey at one point in your life, and now you're doing <laughs> you like that, and now you yeah. now you do Thomas Jefferson. My question is, do you like? Do you say, and when I'm done with this, I'll go back to donkey if I need to. I don't care. Or do you look and say, no, that there are certain roles that just like are career changing, life changing, impactful on you, or is it all the same because you're an actor? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, there are, I mean, there are definitely those roles that mean for like mean a lot to me. And I understand that this show, I, I just knew when I first booked this show that it's a, it's a responsibility that you have as an actor to, with this show, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a weight that you have to carry. And I, and I humbly take that. Uh, I, I carry this role playing Lafayette Jefferson as a joy and I love playing it. And I see that it affects people. I see that, uh, I see that every night. So I, I definitely hold that near and dear. And then, you know, like there's other, you know, shows that I've done in my past and other roles that I have done in my past that might have not have been as deep. But don't get me wrong. I'm going to give you my 100% and you're going to get a really good show for me, no matter what the role I do. Even uh, if you're in the role, role I'm going to mess up his name, but, but he's his name is, I think, is it Thane Jasperson or Thane? Yeah, Thane. Yeah. Thane, man, he's been doing the show since 1846 and he's, <laughs> ne- he's never left, never left the show. And I'm kind of wondering, after you're doing this, I, it's got to be nine years, something like that, that he's doing it. Do you ever go out there and just go, I don't care about the bullet anymore? I mean, you know, I mean, do you, you got to keep it going every night, no matter how many years you're doing. You're doing it years too. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, people come, people go, and people come back. You know what I mean? You, nothing. You take, yeah, <laughs> nothing. Um, <laughs> but I think that, I mean, like, it was, that was one of the coolest things that I got to experience was just like, being on Broadway and seeing one OG still dancing the show and just seeing like, what is the original, like, not that the choreography has changed, but you know, people are over time and turnover happens and new people get cast and stuff like that. And so there's different, not interpretations, but like different ways that the body moves with within the choreography. But when you see somebody that has done it since the public, it's just like, Whoa, it's so cool. And yeah, I just I don't think it's I think this show is just so good that you there's always new things that you can find as an actor. It's so deep. The show know, is so deep. It's like reading a Dune book or a Lord of the Rings. There's so much more material you can grab. And, and before play. you know the show, if you didn't know it, you read about like you said, oh, you, we need you to be the king. We want you. You might think the king. Oh, kind of that little side role, man. Not in this show. <laughs> no, I have fun playing that. <laughs> And go back to Jonathan Groff and, uh, you know, and yeah. I mean, oh, my goodness, what that role is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I remember covering that role back in the day. And it was I had a joy. Oh, so you played it. You've been on stage as the king. I When I used to cover the role, I, I used to go on for the King George. Yes. And it oh, was man. so much fun. Yeah. Oh, I, I love. Can you give us one line as King George? I will kill your friends and family. 
I love it. Well, Jared, it, it is so much fun to get to talk to you. I, we're going to have to wrap it up. You've got a show to do tonight, and you got to slip a tent. Use a, give a slip a Hamilton to Pierre. That, come, yeah. Tell him to please go on and just say my name is Alexander Howelton. And <laughs> I, I promise you, I'll give him an extra 10 as well if he does it. Uh, Hamilton is playing at the Nederlander Theater. It's playing till jo- uh, January 28th. That, that's yes. it. Right? You got a little extension. Broadwayinchicago.com is where you can get the tickets. You're fabulous. I'm so glad I asked for you, and I'm so glad you said yes. Thanks. Oh, for thank you for having me. Appreciate you. All right. Happy holidays, and enjoy your last weeks in Hamilton here in Chicago. All right. Thank you, Paul.